Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Yeah. And we just I just encourage you before she gets out of here uh, this this afternoon when we finish up, if you would just find her and love on her a little bit and tell her how much you're thankful for her faithfulness. Amen. Well, we're going to start a, a new series this morning. I, I, I recognize that there are many influences in our lives that cause us to live the way we live. There, there, there are many things that have bearing on us. Your environment, the environment that you live in, in some ways has influence over how you live your life. I understand that your education, where you go to school and, and what you learn, has this ability to influence you. It has this ability to work on you and to shape you. I understand that the region in which you were raised has implications. Like if you were raised in the South, you actually think boiled peanuts are good. I'm sorry for you. I like to have to chew my food. I don't want it crawling down my throat. So, but, but because of the region that you were born in and raised in, that can have influence over you. I, I understand that, that those things are factors. But this morning, I want to say to you that I think there are a couple of factors in our lives that frame us, if you will. I, you'll get it here in a minute. They frame us. They shape us. They influence a couple of factors. And so over the next three weeks today and then three more weeks, we're going to talk about those factors. And this morning I want to talk about what I believe is perhaps one of the most powerful factors of framing us known to mankind in the universe. And that is, this morning I want to say to you that our mind and the way that we think has the ability to frame us. Uh, uh, now listen, I, I'm not one of those uh, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, think, think it into existence kind of guys. All right? I, I understand there's reality. All right? Y'all with me? But I am convinced that how you think has power. I, I, I think I can... Uh, prove that to you. I think I can show you people that have uh, risen out of poverty. If, if, if it wasn't for the power of your mind and the way that your, your thoughts shape your life, then there would be people that would have never gotten out of the projects because they would have never risen above their environment. Are y'all with me this morning? I, I, I think I can prove it because I would say to you that if, if it wasn't for your ability to think differently, there, there are some of you that would never be able to rise above your family issues because some of you were raised in storybook homes while others of you were raised in nightmare homes. And if it wasn't for your ability to think differently, you would have stayed in the nightmare. But because you were able to frame your life with your thoughts, you, you rose above that environment. Our mind is powerful. If it wasn't for our ability to frame our world with our mind, you would never rise above your educational level. Some of you went to master's degrees and doctor's degrees and, and all that, but some of you maybe didn't make it that far, but you still become successful because you knew how to think right. And so this morning I want to say to you that our mind is a powerful factor in framing our world. And I want to say to you that it is the climate of your mind that is more important than the climate that you are surrounded with. 
In fact, I want to say this to you that I believe it is absolutely essential that you practice climate control in your mind. That you think right. I, I think I can back that up in Scripture. There's a couple passages of Scripture that I want to draw your attention. The wisest man that ever walked the planet thought a lot about how we think. In fact, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. Amen. You're dismissed. How do you improve on that? That is as blunt and as basic as you can get. Be careful what you think because your thoughts can run. I want to I wanna add an eye in there. I, I don't think I'm taking too much liberty. I, I, I think you could probably say, be careful what you think because your thoughts can ruin your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He understood the power of our mind. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. He goes on and he says this. You can probably quote this. It's a powerful passage of Scripture. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our mind is powerful unless we learn to control our mind, to arrange our mind, to manage our mind, to sanctify our mind. Then we find ourselves framed because what I've discovered is that the enemy likes to play mind games. The enemy likes to jack with your head. The enemy likes to get you to think certain ways, and, and he destroys us by how we think. And so this morning, I want to take you into an Old Testament account of an individual that was framed by how he thought. And I want you to see if we can learn some, some lessons, some, some practical things. Uh, I, over the next two weeks, I'm gonna, uh, after today, I'm going to tell you what you ought to think about and how you control your mind. But I just want us to look from this passage and see if we can not learn some lessons. First Kings chapter 19 we're going to read verses 1 through 5 and then we're going to skip down to verses 9 through 10 and see how does the enemy play mind games with us first kings chapter 19 verse 1 ahab reported to jezebel everything that elijah had done including the massacre of the prophets and jezebel immediately sent a message to elijah with her threat the gods will get you for this and i'll get even with you by this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as any one of those prophets. Now listen to this. this is important. Verse 3. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. And he left his young servant there and then went on into the desert another day's journey. And he came to a lone broom bush and collapsed in, a, in its shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all, to just die. Enough of this, God. Take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the lone broom bush. Verse 9, then the word of God came to him and said this, So Elijah, what are you doing here? And here was Elijah's response. I've been working my heart out for the God of the angel armies. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered your prophets, and I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me mind frames mind games there's some lessons out of this passage that I think I need to teach you the first one is simply this your perceptions determine your reality think about that a moment your perception determines your reality I, I, I think I can show you that out of this passage. I want you to go back and look at what verse 3 says. Jezebel makes her threat against Elijah. Elijah, And then in verse 3 it says, When Elijah saw how things were. Now wait just a minute. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. 
let's talk about reality. Let's talk about how things really were. Uh, how they really were was this. Elijah had stood up years before and said, God declares that there's not going to be a drop of rain. And lo and behold, there was no rain. That's reality. Reality is, is that during the course of this drought, the Bible says that Elijah was camped out at a brook and ravens brought him food while everybody else was starving to death and while everybody else had nothing to drink. Elijah was camped out by a brook and ravens brought him food to eat and he would drink from the water in that brook. That one brook didn't dry up. That was reality. And for over three years he sat by that brook and the king and the queen couldn't find him. That's reality. The reality is, is that the, 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 show, the, the showdown has taken place and Elijah has marched to the top of Mount Carmel and he squared off against 400 prophets of Baal and he allowed them to go first and they build an altar and they dance and they cut themselves and they do the jig and ask Baal to show up, prove that you're real Baal, set this place on fire and nothing happens. That's reality. Reality is, is that Elijah steps up to the plate, pours water which would have been like pouring gold all over that altar. And he, and he flows down the, the, the sacrifice and into the pit. And he prays a short little prayer. And fire falls out of the sky. And it consumes the altar and the sacrifice and licks up all the water. That's reality. Reality is that because of that, Elijah squares off and kills, single-handedly destroys 400 prophets of Baal. He must have been tough. And reality is, is that because of that, an entire nation is birthed into revival and they turn once again from a false God and give their lives back to the one true God. That was reality. And reality is that Elijah runs out to the edge of a cliff and he begins to pray. And in 63 words, with his head between his knees, he begins to pray. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand and rain comes onto the, 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 the horizon. And that's reality reality and as as a demonstration of the power and the anointing and the favor on his life the bible says that he stood up and he took his cloak and he gathered it up and he starts running and under the anointing he runs so fast that he outruns ahab's chariots all the way back to the capital that's reality but now all of a sudden jezebel makes threats and he says the, the, the scripture says he sees how things were. What changed? His perception changed. His perception is that 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 things are bad. That is the only one left. His perception is so messed up and so skewed that now we see this man who's seen all this other stuff happen. His reality is is that I'm the only one left, doom and despair and agony on me and uh, you kill me he he even come his perception is so wrong that his reality becomes god kill me just kill me i'm done i i, I just need to tell you this morning that you got to be careful about your perceptions because they will become your realities and I want to say to you this morning, that is why it is so absolutely imperative, so absolutely essential that you have people in your life, accountability partners, prayer partners, brothers and sisters in the, in the, in the, in, in the kingdom that can step into your life at any given moment and say, hang on a minute, you don't see correctly, your perception is wrong. 
you got to have some folks in your life that when 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 you are when your your perspective is clouded by fear, clouded by exhaustion, clouded by sickness, clouded by brokenness, clouded by pain, they can step in and say, "Don't make that decision. Don't make that choice. Wait, back up, hang on, stop. You're going to mess up." Because if you don't have those kind of people in your life, your messed up perception will lead you into a reality that you won't like. If you don't have clear perspective, I want to tell you this morning that you can make life-altering and life-changing decisions that will impact you for the rest of your life. That is why you've got to have people in your life that can stop you and say, you don't see everything correctly. Or you will do this. I see how things really are. No, you don't. No, you don't. You gotta have somebody that can see. This, this account teaches us some things. It teaches us some things about perception. It teaches us that we gotta be really careful after victories. Elijah had just experienced one of the greatest, most public victories known to mankind. He stood up and God's presence showed up visibly manifested in the form of fire and a whole in front of a whole nation. God shows up on his behalf. He was successful. And I want to say something to you this morning. you got to be careful when you've been successful because if you're not careful, you will think that you're all that in a bag of chips. And you will make decisions that will impact you for the rest of your life. you got to be careful after victories. But I also want to say to you out of this account, you also have to be extremely careful when you're tired. He goes and he hangs out under this broom bush and says, God, kill me. I'm exhausted. I want you to understand that when you're tired, you will begin to think things are dead even when they're still alive. If you're tired, you will make decisions that you should not make. You will think your marriage is done when it's not really done. You will think your kids are beyond reach when they're not really beyond reach. You will think your job is a dead-end job when it's not. Some of you are tired and you are making decisions out of your exhaustion that are going to impact you for the rest of your life because you will make choices in the moment of your exhaustion that are wrong and based on wrong perceptions you got to be careful when you get tired come on tell your neighbor don't make any lifelong decisions when you're tired got to be careful I, I think that's why in the New Testament the Bible says that that you got to be you got to be careful or you will become weary in well doing. How many of you know that you don't always just get tired from bad things? You can get tired from God things. Some of you've been doing some good stuff for a long time, but now after you've been doing it a long time, you've become tired. And if you're not careful, even though it was a God thing, you find yourself exhausted and you will you will mess your life up. And so you got to be careful. When you have victories, then you got to be careful when you're tired or you'll give up on your dream too quickly. The second thing I want to say to you out of this passage is that we must be extremely careful because what's in your head can get into your feet. Uh, let, me, let, me see, let me see if I can help you. Solomon instructs his sons to be on guard about what they think. I think Elijah should have taken this instruction to heart. I want you to see what happens. The Bible says that Jezebel issued a threat. She literally drew. 
she literally drew a word picture on the canvas of Elijah's mind. And he ran away from what she drew. Let me see if I can help you. It, you go back and read it for yourself. It does not say that when he heard Jezebel that he ran. It says when he saw how things were. Wait, what he saw was not reality. So what happened? She literally with words painted, imprinted on his mind a picture. And he bought into the picture and believed that the picture was real. And therefore, he ran for his life. Uh, y'all don't get it yet. I'm going to help you here in just a minute. See, I, I just need you to understand that uh, the enemy plays mind games on us. He, he paints. You, you need to understand that the enemy of our soul is a great artist. Now, he's a fictional artist. He's a fantasy art artist. He, he, he paints things that aren't real. But because he's the father of light, he has the ability to paint with such elegance and such beauty and such reality that we buy into the picture and we make choices. Uh, I, I can prove it to you out of Scripture. I, I, Modern Family, we just finished that series and I told you that Abraham gave his wife away because he had a picture in his mind that said, if I don't give her away as my sister, if I don't say she's my sister, they'll kill me. That wasn't reality. It was just the picture in his mind. Uh, I think about the Israelites. The Bible says that they're about to march into the promised land. And they go in there and they look and there's giants everywhere. And they make up their mind. They've got a picture in their own mind. They said, we see ourselves as grasshoppers. It was the picture painted in their mind. It wasn't reality. They were strong. They just escaped Egypt. They, were, they had the ability to fight. God was going to give them the whole land. But because they had the picture in their mind, Absalom had a picture in his mind. He, he, he allowed individuals to speak into his life that created this picture that in his own mind said, hey, you know what? I can be a better king than my dad. And he ran himself to death. The Israelites ran themselves into a circle. Uh, Y'all with me this morning? See, if we don't manage our mind, the enemy of our soul will draw pictures in your mind that will get you to run, that will get you to quit, that will get you to circle, that will get you to back up. He is a great artist. He tries to make what is not real look so real that we make the wrong choices. Here, let me get really practical with you. Here, here are some of the common paintings that he likes to paint in our mind all right i'm just going to help you here, here it is he will say he will he, with words he will he will paint this picture here it is nobody at that church likes me they don't like me they don't give a rip about me and he can paint that so real that you will literally run away from the very body that god has placed you in that was supposed to be a covering of protection and a covering of provision but he can paint so real that you will be determined and you will decide that nobody there really loves me they hadn't talked to me in like a week I Facebooked them a month ago and they didn't respond this is how it works let me help you he paints this one I'm going to be alone the rest of my life. My, 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 I'm behind schedule. My, my clock's ticking. All my other friends are already married. And now I'm going to be alone the rest of my life, so I think I better just like settle for the first one that comes along. 
and all of a sudden you find yourself, your, your world is framed and you're miserable and you discover I made a serious mistake because of a picture he painted in your head. I got to drive a certain kind of car to be viewed as successful. I got to do it. I got, I got to live in a certain kind of house. I got to wear a certain kind of clothes. Uh, uh, don't worry with the fact that I'm so mortgaged and, and, and over my head in debt that now I can't even answer my own phone because the collectors are driving me crazy and I can't rub two cents together and I can't even buy food to eat. But we are so involved. We're just trying to keep up. We got to put, I, I got, that is a picture he paints in our head and we bought it as reality. They're, they're talking about me. I know they're talking about me because I, when I walk by them, they quit talking. So I know. I'm convinced they're talking about me. They ain't talking about you. But the truth is they've never talked about you. You're, not, you're never even on the, on the radar of their, their topic of discussion. But, but if you're not careful, you will allow the enemy of your soul to paint the picture so vividly that what it does is it produces paranoia and conspiracy theories in your own head and it will drive a relationship wedge and God would had intended to connect you with them and to put you in relationship with them so that your life would be blessed but because you believe the false painting the pictures in your own mind your relationship is broke because they talking about me I knew it would get quiet in here here's some more I'll always be sick I'll always be broke I'll always be blank. And what he does is he works diligently to paint a picture that will get you to fill in the blank and get you to exit God's plan and purpose for your life. He paints so vividly word pictures in our mind that it gets down into our feet and we run away from, from what God has for us and we run to something or to someone that in the long run we suddenly realize we wake up one day and go, man, they never could satisfy that never could satisfy. But you bought the picture. And it got into your feet. What was in your head got into your feet. And I just want to say to you this morning that a framed mind will paint pictures that are fantasy or fiction that you will accept. And you will act on them as reality and as fact. And if you are not careful, it will cause and lead you down a path of destruction all based on the pictures that he painted. He saw. No, he didn't see, but he saw. The, the third thing and, and, and final thing I need to say to you this morning is this. is If you get your head right, everything else will follow. I, I can't help it. I, I know I'm corny, but every time I say that, if you get your head right, Everything else will follow. There's this song that just flashes into my spirit. It's not even a Christian song. Free your mind. The rest will. Okay. They sang it on The Voice the other night, so I've been kind of thinking. It's a sorry song. It's got bad lyrics. And, but that part was right. That part is Y'all want to do the strut she does when she sings it? No, y'all don't want to do that. Okay. Here's the truth that you need to hear very carefully. We are taught, we are commanded to take every thought captive. My concern is, is that 
rather than us taking our thoughts captive, our thoughts have taken us captive. And the very real truth is that if we could ever get our mind right, we could walk into freedom and victory. And if we don't get our mind right, we buy into the mind games of the enemy. How do you think? Uh, Solomon said it like this. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You got to get your head right. You Hear me this morning. You can think yourself into broke. You can think yourself into poverty. You can think yourself into being sick. You can think yourself into depression. You can think yourself into destruction. You can think yourself into dilemma. Because of your head. Your mind frames your life and your mind frames your actions. And if you could ever get your mind right, you would get your life right. Hear me. I want to say this. you got to get this. Write this down. This is truth you need to hear. I'm going to say it a couple times because i got to get you to get this. If you don't get nothing else, get this. Here it is. Every problem you're going to come out of, you must come out of head first. Every issue you face. If you're going to come out of that issue, if you're going to come out of that dilemma, if you're going to come out of that thing, you've got to come out of it head first. You've got to change the way you think. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, I, I, I'm convinced that poverty is not an economic issue. It's a mindset. That, that's why you can give a, 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 an individual that has lived in poverty all their life and you can give them a million dollars tomorrow and by next week they'll be broke. I had an individual come up after, after first service and said she knew of an individual. Uh, her best friend worked with a guy at a supermarket that won the lottery. Out of all the taxes and everything he paid, he took home $13 million. Dollars. Dollar. Dollars, $13 million. So what? he'd been broke all of his life, so he thought it would be a good idea for him and his buddies to go to Las Vegas for a week because he didn't think right. One year to the day that he won the lottery, he was back at the supermarket asking for his job back because he was broke because he couldn't think right. See, I, I, I just want to say this to you. It is absolutely essential for you to get rid of stinking thinking. Because if you could ever get rid of stinking thinking, you'd get rid of stinking living. And some of you are living at the level you're living at because of the way you think. And until you come out of that thing head first, nothing will change. How do you think? There, there, I'm almost finished, so stay with me. There are a couple promises that I've never linked together in God's Word, but I'm going to link them this morning. They, they, they make sense to me now. One is in the Old Testament, one is in the New. I, I didn't know they had anything to do with one another, but there is a, there's a, a cycle, if you will, that plays out here that if we could ever learn this cycle, we would live differently. The first is a great promise. It's one of the greatest promises, I think, 
in Scripture. It's Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, which says this, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Man, that's a great promise. That means if I can ever get my mind on Christ and I can ever focus my attention on Him, then at that moment as I'm focusing on Him, peace becomes the standard of my life. Are you all with me? If I can keep... I'm, I'm concerned. I think that most of us get distracted way too easy. And the reason we have no peace in our life is because we don't keep our mind focused on Him. We keep our mind focused on you. You keep your mind focused on your spouse, your job, your crazy kids. And all of a sudden, the peace exits your life. The greatest promise is this. If you just learn to focus your mind, frame your mind on him, peace invades my life. But let me connect it. I've never connected it like this. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says this. And the peace of God, which passes or transcends or passes all understanding. Here it is will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think I finally got it. If I can keep my mind focused on Jesus, peace invades my life. And then all of a sudden, this cycle starts. As I'm focused on Him, peace comes into my life. Something turns, and now peace begins to fight for me. That, that, that means when I'm focused on him and the doctor comes in and says, you're so sick, you're going to die. All of a sudden, I just introduce my doctor to peace. You just take on over there, bud. Just fight him. He's wrong. I know what he says is right, but he's wrong. Because although he is a physician, he's not the great physician. So peace, could you handle my battle over there? Because now that my mind is stayed on Christ, peace will guard my heart and my mind. And although it looks doomed to destruction, I want to just say, peace, fight for me. That's why I can stay peaceful in distraction. That's why when I open up my checkbook and it's as empty as it can be and I don't have two cents to run together, rub together, my, my mind is so focused on Christ, I, all of a sudden now peace takes over. And when I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills and I don't know what I'm going to do, I just let peace answer the door and say, hey, you fight that battle because although they want everything I've got, they can't ever have everything I've got because the, 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 the Bible says that, that the, the righteous are never forsaken and I've never seen his seed begging for bread. And all Although it may not look like I'm focused on him and so peace comes along and begins to battle for me some of you don't you can't fight because you ain't got no peace and you ain't got no peace I ain't write English but I right. you ain't got no peace because you can't keep your mind you won't keep your mind friend you won't focus on him I'm preaching preaching I make myself happy I'm just telling you it's a cycle if you could ever get peace Peace will then in turn fight for you. But not only that, I discovered that if you can ever get your mind right, it'll change your entire life. I know you know this passage of Scripture. I know you're so holy. You know this one. but Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but, by, but be transformed by the renewing. Y'all know it. Of your mind. Did y'all get that? I don't think y'all got that. Be transformed. That means everything changes. How do, how do you change your life? By how you think. If you could ever change what goes on in here, it would change your life 
forever. In other words, you've got to get a new picture framed in your mind. Can you picture yourself as an overcomer? What do, you, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Who do you see when you look in the mirror? You've got to come to this place. When you look in the mirror, you see yourself as an overcomer. You see yourself as a conqueror. Do you see yourself as sick or do you see yourself as healed? Do you see yourself as broke or do you see yourself as blessed? You transform everything by renewing your mind. Can you see in your mind's eye what God says about you? Or will you continue to only see what the enemy says? I'm trying to help you this morning. See, some of you are on the verge of divorce. Simply because you believe the picture that's in your head. It's beyond repair. It's, it's beyond fixing. It's beyond... If you just change your mind. Some of you are so sick, you've been fighting the same sickness for so long that you're convinced that you ain't never going to get well. Change your stinking mind. And, and, uh, let me say it like this. I, I, I need to explain that. My oldest son needs, like, some major counseling. He's got real issues. Right? His real issue is that he's a LeBron James fan. So, when he played for the Cleveland Cavaliers, like idiots, we, did, we agreed to let him paint his room like Cleveland Cavaliers. That nasty brown and that deep, dark, burgundy, I mean, And then all of a sudden, because LeBron's a traitor, uh, he, he went on to Miami, and so now he's no longer a Cleveland Cavalier fan. He's a Miami Heat fan. Now, I don't even know how that's possible. That's like blasphemy. It's almost as bad as being a spur. Never mind. Um, I'll see you back there, Aaron. Aaron's exiting in the building right now. I'll see you, bro. Been nice having you a passion. <laughs> so now all of a sudden we, we need to repaint the room because it doesn't match. The only problem is, is that when you want to cover like that deep, dark burgundy, that's tough. So what you got to do is you got to like go get a second mortgage because what I'm about to tell you costs a lot of money. You got to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy like 96 gallons of Kiehl's. Kiehl's is this primer thingy that stinks to high heaven that, that you paint over the dark color and it provides enough covering that now you can paint it a different color and it won't bleed through. What I want to say to you this morning is that many of you sitting under the sound of my room need the Holy Ghost to come and do a Holy Ghost kills job on your mind. Because the picture that is painted, it keeps bleeding through. God's trying to usher you into a new day, a new level, a new level of anointing. He's trying to give you a breakthrough. He's trying to change your life. But every time he's about to break through, something bleeds through and you go, I can't serve because of that. That's what happened when I was 10 years old. But no, you need a Holy Ghost kills. I, my kids are, you don't understand. I, my kids are never going to be different than they are right now. You need something. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to wipe that thought clean. Some of you go, my marriage is about to break. You need to wipe. The Holy Spirit needs to come and paint you a new picture in your mind I, I'm sick I ain't no no paint the Holy Ghost coming in white blood you just need a Holy Ghost kills job and if, if you'd ever get that 
then he can paint a brand new picture that says you're blessed and not cursed. And that you are more than a conqueror. If you just get the old picture blotted out. So I don't know who I'm talking to today. I just want to say to you, get your head right. Think his thoughts. And blot out the old. Father, this morning, we need your help. God, I, I recognize this morning that perceptions become realities. And if we're not careful, we will buy the lies of the enemy. And he will paint pictures that look so real that it will begin to determine our path. And it frames our world. It gets down in our feet. And rather than running to provision, we run away. Rather than running to healing, we run away. And rather than running to relationship, we run away. And so, Father, this morning I pray that you'd help us to get our head right. We recognize that every problem that we're going to come out of, we've got to come out of it head first. You've got you to help us, God. Help us to transform our minds. God, I don't know who I'm praying for. I know some folks, I know some stories in this room. But I don't know the condition of every person's thought life this morning. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to do what you do. It's a contradiction, I understand, but but I'm asking you. Because your word declares, Father, that you're a great forgetter. And yet you never forget. How does that work, God? You, 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 You're a great forgetter. You forget all of our past. You forget all of our pain. You forget. But at the same time, you never forget. You even know how many hairs are on our head right now. You never forget. I don't understand that. But what I'm asking you, Father, this morning is that you would let my folks tap into the forgetfulness of God. This morning, I pray that you would allow some folks to forget the pain of their past. God, I'm asking you to allow some folks in here to forget what they've gone through I'm asking you to blot out the pain, the sickness, the agony the despair, the depression the bondage I'm asking you to help us to forget all that and allow our life to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. God what I'm asking you to do this morning is to stretch a brand new canvas in our minds and we would begin to think like you think because we recognize that that will frame our lives forever. So, Father, I pray for anyone under the sound of my voice that is tired. They're vulnerable because they're tired. I pray this morning you would strengthen them, that you would guard their minds, that the peace of God that passes all understanding would now do battle for their heart and their mind, And they would be able to silence the voice of the enemy that says they're all by themselves and nobody cares and nobody really knows. And I pray that you would strengthen them for battle. Keep us in peace, I pray. In Jesus' name. I want you to stand with me quickly this morning.
Well, Steve, what I really need is I, 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 I need you to, like, get some oil on your fingers, and I need you to place them on my head. That'll fix all my thinking. Wrong. Because I can't go home with you. And so I think this morning, how I want to conclude this is simply this. you got to go home with you. You're there every day. Can't get away from you. You got to pray for your own head. You got to climate control your own mind. And so I want us to do this together. Would you just take your hand and lay it on your head? And I want to pray with you, but I, I, I need you to pray for yourself. Let's pray. Father, we lay our hands on our own head. God, I'm not even praying for all these folks out here. I'm praying for Steve. God, I'm praying that you'd help me to manage my mind. God, I'm praying that you'd give me a new picture of who I am. On my insecure days, I pray that I would recognize that you've got me. And I am who you say I am. God, I pray that you would touch my mind on the days when I don't really know whether I can believe all the promises that you've spoken over my life. I take authority over that right now. And I ask that instead, Father, you would take over my mind. Give me the thoughts of Christ. Protect, guard my heart and my mind. Help me to climate control my own head. God, when my, my world doesn't look like I want it to look, then I pray that I'd see it like you see it. God, I pray right now you'd clean up, clear up my perceptions. Let me see what's real. And when the enemy comes along and begins to speak into my mind, I pray that instead, Father, your peace would go to war on my behalf. And you would speak what is real into my life. I ask these things in Jesus' name. And now, Father, I pray for a connection to take place in this body. Where we would begin to guard one another. And when we see our brothers and our sisters acting on perceptions that are wrong. I pray that we would be bold enough to step in and say, hey, 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 wait just a minute. I pray that you'd give us courage and boldness to say the right word at the right time to stop a disaster. But God, I also pray that you'd give each one of us a teachable spirit and that we would be willing to open our spirits up to one another and give entrance so that you will bring people into our lives that can keep us framed correctly and father together our worlds will be transformed because our minds will be renewed in jesus name and everybody said come on look at your neighbor right now and say get your head right get your head right come on you can even sing it to him free your mind all right you may be it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.